I was thrilled to have an opportunity to sit down with Lindsay Levingston. I have a bit of a girl crush on her, not going to lie. She just portrays and conveys this aura of complete confidence and groundedness. And she is just such a marvelous communicator. It's no wonder she's in the line of work that she's in. Today, she's sharing how she turned her diagnosis of breast cancer into something absolutely incredible. And this woman is, so she speaks throughout the episode of how busy her life was prior to breast cancer. And then when she shared with me what she's doing now, I can't imagine that being less busy than, um, anything. I mean, to me, it seems what she's able to, what she's able to do and what she's able to do well now is still a ton of things. And she's got a lot on her plate and, uh, she was gracious enough to find time to sit down with me, which I am so grateful for. Lindsay is a segment producer for the Black News Channel. Prior, she's worked as an anchor reporter and host for various news outlets, including NY1 News, Bold TV, and NBC Houston. Lindsay also serves as a communications and media consultant for organizations, businesses, and politicians. The Houston native graduated with honors from the University of North Texas and is the founder of Survive Her, a breast cancer awareness wellness nonprofit. Today, you'll hear my conversation with Lindsay where we talk about her diagnosis with breast cancer and how that ultimately guided her path to where she is today. Welcome to The Alchemy of Things, a podcast diving deep into topics like skincare, holistic living, and the energy that connects us all. I'm your host, Brandi Searcy, founder and formulator of Rain Organica, where you'll find skincare you can take with you anywhere. Today, I'd like to welcome Lindsay Levingston to the show. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Brandi, for the invitation. I appreciate it. So Lindsay is a breast cancer survivor and Lindsay, to start out, I would like to just ask you how you discovered your lump. I discovered my lump during a self-examination in the shower, which is why it's so important as women that we feel our breast every day. Um, It was uh, the summer of 2019 when I felt the lump in my right breast It was tender and sore. And to be honest with you, I thought maybe my bras were too tight. So I remember going to Marshall's to stock up on some bralettes, which are more of a softer, non-underwire undergarment. And that didn't work. And I bought, um, I actually bought one of those, like a pad for your seatbelt. I thought maybe my seatbelt was too tight in the car. And um, 
when it became uncomfortable, I scheduled my well woman exam. And I remember it was right around July 4th. And during that well woman exam, my OBGYN ordered what was my very first mammogram. And so just imagine I'm thinking by the age of, at the age of 40, I'll get my first mammogram, but at the age of 37, I got my first mammogram. And after that mammogram, the test came back like, oh, we need to see more because I have dense breast tissue. I received a breast ultra, a 3D mammogram and then a breast ultrasound and a biopsy of that lump. And that biopsy um, determined that the lump that I felt in my right breast was indeed cancerous. Wow. How long did it take between kind of when you noticed it and when you were actually diagnosed? About two months, I would say, two months or less. Mm -hmm. And what happened? Was this a type that is hereditary or were, and also was it estrogen, uh, estrogen receptive? So I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer, stage 2B. Triple negative breast cancer is the most aggressive form. It is not driven, hormonally driven, if you will. And what I learned midway during my chemo journey is that um, BRCA1 gene mutation runs rampant on the paternal side of my family because I, uh, my nurse practitioner ordered a genetic evaluation through Invitae, and that medical test discovered that it does run in my family. Now, my, let me rewind and say, when I was first diagnosed and the doctor, the breast surgeon asked, do you have any, a family history of cancer? And I said, nope, not that I know of, um, didn't know of any. And midway during my treatment, that's when I learned that it runs in the family. That's why I'm really adamant about preaching to the choir. Everyone should know his or her family history because you can take preventative measures and actions sooner in, in life before even being diagnosed with a particular disease or chronic illness. Once you were diagnosed and you started, so you mentioned chemotherapy, was that really the only treatment option for you or did your treatment also include, I mean, I imagine surgery and what about radiation or any other kinds of treatments? Mm -hmm. So the initial treatment plan that was laid out for me was chemotherapy and radiation, six weeks of radiation. And then, oh no, let me rewind. It was chemo, 15 rounds of chemo, a lumpectomy to remove any, what we call debris, anything that's left after the chemo zaps that mass, um, a lumpectomy, and then six weeks of radiation. However, that plan changed when I learned that I carry the BRCA1 gene mutation. The BRCA1 gene mutation puts me at higher risk for both breast and ovarian cancers. So my breast surgeon highly recommended that I proceed with a bilateral mastectomy and breast reconstruction to reduce my risk of breast cancer recurrence. Wow. 
So if you can imagine mentally, I was thinking I was going to have chemo, get chemotherapy treatment. Um, I have the, just a part, you know, just a little, that lump or mass removed and then get my breast zapped for six weeks. That didn't happen. Instead, my breasts are removed completely. And then I got new ones, which I'm so glad I did. Um, because for some women having to wake up every day and think, oh my gosh, is it going to come back? Is it going to come back? I, can, I, I applaud women who, who opt for a different type of surgical treatment or plan because having to live with that in the back of your mind every day for me would have been just really, I think, emotionally draining and right. mentally draining. So I'm just so glad that I have a really dynamic surgical team and doctor to, to advocate for what she thought was best given my um, genetic makeup. Um, she said, you were born with BRCA1 gene mutation. And at some point in my life, Brandy, I would have been diagnosed, which is kind of crazy. Um, but gratefully and thankfully it was, I discovered it early stage 2B and because of that early detection, I had a positive prognosis. Yes, that is fantastic. And you're right. I mean, it's so, I can't imagine the mental strain of what it would be like to wake up daily and just have that in the back of your mind all the time, you know, during all of your waking hours. So, right. Mm -hmm. Yes. In total, how long, so you mentioned how long um, the radiation would be in total, including the chemo, how long was your treatment? So I had 15 rounds of chemotherapy and I rang the bell the day before New Year's Eve. So I rang out 2020, I rang into a new year chemo free. Two months later, February, I had the bilateral mastectomy. And then five months later, breast um, implants. So the breast, the bilateral mastectomy and breast reconstruction happened. I know it's like a tag team effort. So my breast surgeon removed my breast tissue and some lymph nodes to send off to the lab. And then my plastic surgeon came in to place tissue expanders to allow, so, so those were placed in to stretch my skin to prepare them for implants. And then after living with those for those rocks for a few months, they removed the tissue expanders and placed implants. Okay. So the journey would, let's, so I started chemo in August, 2019, pre-COVID. And I completed all of my treatments July. Oh, and let's add another one, Brandy. I always forget this. And it's so important because we don't think about this as women. We don't really talk about it as much. But because I desire to become a mother, before I even started chemo, I underwent um, egg preservation. I had eggs retrieved and harvested because chemotherapy, there was a 50-50 chance that chemotherapy would destroy my ovaries and my eggs. So we took some eggs out and we froze them so that I would have an option and an option to become a mother post chemo, post all these surgeries. And then fast forward after my breast implant surgery uh, last fall, 
I had my ovaries and fallopian tubes removed as a preventative measure to reduce my risk of ovarian cancer. There's just so many components to this. Um, and looking back at it, I think, wow, I, my body has experienced so much physical trauma, but I just stayed positive through it all because I knew that I wanted to live and live a wonderful, healthy life. And I just pressed through each phase of the journey with prayer, with the support of my village. And I'm now on the other side of it, helping women through it. Yes, and speaking of helping women through it, I would love for you to spend a few minutes talking about how this changed, how this cancer diagnosis shifted your trajectory and shifted your career from what you were doing before to what you were doing after. Oh, yes, it definitely shifted in many ways. So I was working in the New York City area in media, TV news, hosting on air, and I was freelancing and really running myself ragged. Working in the top market is very stressful, and so I was hustling and grinding and and freelancing here and doing this and doing that and just like a hamster on the wheel, just spinning. And do was I moving with purpose? I don't think so. I think my diagnosis certainly shifted my perspective and my life to move in a purposeful manner. So all of that ended and I relocated from the New York City area back home to Houston for all of my treatment, surgeries, et cetera. And then COVID happened, so I never returned back to New York. Meanwhile, as you mentioned in a previous conversation, I had to pivot as did everyone else during COVID. And my pivot was a purposeful pivot, leveraging my media background and combining that with my health journey with the story. And I created Survive Her, formerly Sir Thriver, but it's Survive Her to inform, inspire, and empower women around breast cancer awareness and wellness beyond the month of October, because it's important that we have these conversations year round, not just in October. One in eight women are diagnosed with breast cancer and they're not diagnosed just in the month of October. Yes, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but my goal is to keep this conversation top of mind and a priority year round. And through Survivor, I inform, inspire, and empower through content, collaboration, and conversation. So content, I'm writing articles for media outlets um, through collaboration, collaborating with nonprofits to raise money for our MAMA grant fund. I have partners with American Cancer Society, Susan G. Komen, um, Angel Surviving Cancer, The Rose here in Houston, Afropink in Brooklyn, and through conversation, hosting a Survivor podcast, or having engaging in media interviews. So I really, I love the work that I'm doing because I'm, I'm touching women's lives every day, whether it's through an article, whether it's through a conversation like the one we're having, uh, whether it's through one of my events, I love hosting events. <laughs> I found that to be like part of my, my purpose in the survivor work is engaging the community and, and seeing women, hugging them if it's safe, you know, even with our mask, 
I love to see women in their eyes and look in their look in their eyes, tell their stories, hear their stories, offer advice, etc. So I love the work that I'm doing through Survive Her. So that's it's like a full time job in itself, and I'm also a producer for a national news a national network, um, and so that keeps me very busy during the day. <laughs> I think I answered your question. You absolutely answered the question. And I, what I love about this is that, yes, we, when it comes to our health, each and every one of us is the expert in our own health. And the fact that you, you found your lump through a routine self breast self exam. And this is so important. And I feel like the self breast exam is being deprioritized in favor of all of these imaging techniques when at the end of the day like it is so important to actually do that yourself and so I'm so it's important and it's quick and easy especially when you're in the shower because when your body is lathered it's more slippery and you can really palpitate around the breast now now I will say my lump was was um palpable, palpable. I can never say that word. I could feel it. It was almost kind of protruding through my skin. It was right at the edge of my skin near like the, the bottom of my breast and my, I guess, uh, where, where it cups. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> I can only show you, but I could feel it. It was the size of a, a large grape. And so I knew that was something was not right. And to be honest, I thought, oh, maybe it's a cyst that I could get, um, that I could get drained and I'll be fine. So, so many things went through my mind. And when I received the call that it was cancerous, I remember I was in the bathroom and the radiologist actually left a message on my voicemail. And I was like, oh boy, he said something like, um, hi, Lindsay, this is Dr. So-and-so, please give me a call. And I was like, this doesn't sound good. And I call him back now. My, okay. So just imagine just hearing the voicemail, right? Already my heart is racing and I call him back and he said, I'm sorry, Lindsay, it is breast cancer. And he was just kind of nonchalant. And he said, okay, so next you need to do this, this, this. And I was like, okay. And I was just very calm. Like, okay. And I remember crying and I called my mom at the time I was married and I cried with my spouse and just tried to kind of wrap my mind around what this meant because I didn't know much about breast cancer other than you would lose your hair you might die I mean a lot of different thoughts raced through your mind when you receive that news but after educating myself after talking to other women who had gone through it um, after again surrounding myself with the right people with prayer village and a great team of doctors all of that went away and I was like I'm gonna get through this this is easy this is nothing and now now I'm not gonna say it wasn't easy but I did power through it I didn't let breast cancer take over Lindsay Lindsay took over breast cancer right yeah, so you had very much this head down, let's move through this mentality. And also it sounds like 
definitely a large support network. Now with that, and here I'm, I think I'd like to understand the difference between how the role that Survive Her played and maybe it wasn't even, well, when did you start Survive Her? Was it after you completed all of your treatment? Yes, so I completed all of my treatment in, when was my last surgery? I started, I actually launched it October 1st, so the start of Breast Cancer Awareness Month 2020. Okay. Because I thought that would be a great way to kick it off. And I had completed all of my my treatment and my surgeries. And the reason, and I also wanted to make this loud um, crash, this, this movement, this huge boom, Oh, it's because I had not shared publicly that I've been going through breast cancer. And in fact, a lot of women and men look at me and said, you don't look like what you've been through because I wore a wig. I still maintain as much normalcy as possible. And um, even doing some contract work or on-air work, no one knew. And so when I, when I, I shared after like my bilateral mastectomy and I'd completed everything I shared on social media, on my birthday, which was in April. And then in October, I launched this big brand because I think a lot of people were trying to figure out now, oh my God, I can't believe this happened to Lindsay. But to see me do turn up a positive, or excuse me, to turn pain into a positive, to turn, uh, you know, uh, what they say, tragedy into tribulation or trip a trial into triumph. I think a lot of people were waiting for me to see what I was going to do. And the moment I launched, I received so much positive response, so much support. And that's when I knew that was my wink from God that I did the right thing because women need to hear my story. Absolutely. When, so as part of your support network, when you were moving through this, you've mentioned your prayer village a few times. Was this, so what I'm, the question that I really want to ask is, did you have a group of, of women who'd moved through breast cancer before that were part of this prayer village for you? Or did you have any cancer support network that you were able to find um, during your treatment? So there's a term that I learned, it's called breasty. Instead of your bestie, okay. like your best friend, we call each other our breasties. So I did surround myself with about five women who are actually my sorority sisters and who had gone through their various journeys, breast cancer journeys. So I leaned on them. But when I refer to my prayer village, I, I'm referring to all of my family members, friends, church family, who really did intentionally pray for me, pray for my healing. So collectively, their prayers healed me. Um, I'm a believer and I leaned on my faith, but I know that their, their prayers and their support really did contribute to the success of my journey and my prognosis. Right. Because yes, we are so much more than matter and there's definitely a spiritual healing component and absolutely. Like, yes, absolutely. Did your diagnosis shift your perspective on life? Oh, yes, it did, Brandy. I'm living bigger. Uh, a sorority sister told me to live big, so I'm living bigger. Nothing phases me. Nothing 
you know, I'm not sweating the small stuff because you only get one life to live. And for me, I think that I was given a second chance to make a difference and to make an impact. And absolutely it did. Um, shifted my perspective about relationships. It shifted my perspective about career. It shifted my perspective about em embracing the sunshine and the air and the trees, like everything just becomes so much more important to you. People become more important and special, your loved ones. So yes, I was just so busy in New York City, just working, working, working. And, but was I working with meaning? Was I making a difference? No, but I know I am now. You've already alluded to this just in the answer to that question, plus throughout this interview. I also just like to go ahead and ask if there are any additional, I mean, you mentioned you you picked up from New York and moved back to Houston. Were there any additional lifestyle changes that this created for you? Is there like, did you adopt a new diet or incorporate anything else into your daily routine? just as a, from a health mindset perspective? Before diagnosis, I was already health-minded. Okay. I have lived, I adopted the pescatarian diet 11 years ago. Okay. So I was eating right. I was exercising. I love spin class, hence spin <laughs> for her. <laughs> um, and I loved working out. And I was always very health conscious and health-minded wellness-minded and post-diagnosis, I still am following those same, that same lifestyle. Really, nothing has changed. And my breast surgeon said the reason why I recovered so well from all of my surgeries and procedures and treatment is because I was in good shape prior. So it does matter that we take care of our body. We're eating right and exercising because you never know at some point when you are diagnosed with an illness or you become sick or whether it's COVID or flu, whatever it is that your body can fight off whatever it is, it's trying to attack it. So um, my lifestyle actually remains the same. I'm still active. I do my best to eat healthily and I'm just more mindful of intake and exercise. In fact, I need to go for a run, but it's so hot here. I have to wait till later in, in yeah. the evening to go for a run or walk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Lindsay, I would love for you also to share how people can find you and find out more about Survive Her. Sure. You can visit I'm a Survive Her.com. I'm also on social media at I'm a Survive Her. Um, Facebook, Instagram. I don't tweet as much. And then um, you can also check out my personal website. It's lindsaylevingston.com. Okay. Thank you so much for your time today and so much for sharing your story. Thank you again for the invitation. And I just hope that I have informed, inspired, or empowered one of your listeners. I'm sure you have, you have, you've definitely inspired me. Oh, thank you for saying that Brandy. And thank you again for having me.
Thank you, Lindsay. Would you take just a quick second and leave a review for The Alchemy of Things? You would make my day by taking the time to do so. And if you know someone who might enjoy today's episode, take a quick second and hit that share button and send this over to them. Thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait for you to tune in next time where we talk with another breast cancer survivor about her journey. Until next time, bye.